Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And our greatest desire is to join God in the remaking of all things. I hope this sermon gives you a little bit of a look into the life of our church. You can learn more and connect with us further, LafayetteNaz.org. Have a great day. To share this time with you, thanks for joining us. If you're newer with us, make yourself at home. Um, I'm going to speak in just a moment from God's Word, and then we're going to respond by coming to the table, and I'll give you some more instructions uh, when we get there. But we're really glad that you're here this morning. I don't know if you remember, if you've been with us for a few months, a few, uh, like last uh, early, early fall, maybe late summer, early fall, um, we sent out a link um, to everybody who follows us on social media or receives our email. And in that link, we gave you an opportunity to say, what, what could we speak from God's word that would excite or interest or help you to become more like Jesus? So we do kind of long-range thematic sermon planning as a regular part of what we do, but we wanted to hear from you. What's God's Spirit stirring in your hearts? And when I read through the responses, they were such, like, down-to-earth, real-life things. Stuff like, how do I forgive? Or what about money? Or lust? Or anger? How how do I treat those things? And how do I break free from, from this sort of bitterness that's taken root in my heart? Really wonderful, honest responses. And as I was reading through those responses and praying through them, it just was so clear to me that the first thing we needed to do in 2020 was spend some time in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus lays out six, you have heard that it's, that it's said, but I say, statements. So we've been planning this for a while. And in that section of scripture in Matthew chapter 5, it's like Jesus is laying out his vision for the good life. This is the good life that Jesus has come to bring to us. So for the next several weeks, that's where we'll be. All the way up until Lent, where we're going to be working our way through Matthew chapter 5. And today, we start in Matthew chapter 5 verse 21 with the first of those six statements from Jesus. So would you stand with me this morning? I know you just sat down, but stand with me to, the, to honor the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord, and these are the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. And if they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. And be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there 
until you've paid the very last penny. This is God's word for us this morning. You can be seated. All right. We're just going to walk through this thing, kind of verse by verse, blow by blow, because it's like as Jesus is teaching this to his disciples and the crowds that have gathered around him. I mean, imagine Jesus teaching these words. He's seated. They're standing. He's addressing this crowd of people on a mountainside. Sea of Galilee is in the background, the backdrop behind him. And he's just speaking this truth, and it's hard-hitting. It hits hard to us as we read it. It would have landed even more severely with the first hearers in Jesus' day. So let's just go blow by blow. And listen, this is like you're going to need to be a boxer. I'm going to need to be a boxer as I was reading through this. you got to learn how to take some body blows. And these body blows are coming from Jesus, and it's looking to make us better. All right? So he starts off in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 with something really simple. He just says, Hey, you heard this a long time ago. Moses, you know, came down with the tablets. You heard, hey, don't commit murder. Don't, don't commit murder. Everybody who commits murder is, is in danger of, of judgment. And I mean, at the surface level, pretty simple. Don't kill somebody. You got that, church? You got it? Doable? Don't kill someone. I mean, I think that is a doable command. But then Jesus takes that really simple thing, turns it on its head, and makes it so much more difficult. So he said, that's what you heard, that really simple thing. But I have something else to say to you. Anybody who is angry with their brother or sister is in danger of that same kind of judgment. So what's going on here? What, what actually is Jesus saying? And to do that, let's talk about anger. What is anger? Anger is kind of like a spontaneous feeling or emotion. It comes over our mind, comes over our body. And it usually happens to us when what we want, our will, when our will is thwarted. So when somebody or something stops what we want to happen from happening... That makes us angry. Now, there's good anger and there's bad anger, okay? There's the anger of like a wounded ego, which is how dare you say something like that to me. There's kind of like the anger of someone who's like kind of a narcissist. Like you think you're the center of the universe, but you're not. And then there's good anger. There's anger over injustice, like That's when we get angry on behalf of people in the world who have no voice and we see something that is happening that shouldn't happen that makes us angry. There's anger over evil in the world. So we see the brokenness and the way that it just kind of unfolds and lumps itself and grows and it makes us anger. There's there's anger over like um, emotional pain. So we experience this thing and it really hurt. It really hurt. And that hurt made us angry. There's all kinds of anger. There's good anger. There's bad anger. And there are times when to be angry, that's not a sin. That's not breaking our relationship with God. It's, it's, there are times when anger is like the most emotionally healthy response to something. In fact, there are times when Jesus was angry. So, so Jesus, if Jesus can get angry, that doesn't mean that 
anger isn't the thing that we should always avoid. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, does Jesus say to his followers, or really in any passage of Scripture, does Jesus say to his followers, don't get angry? He doesn't. He doesn't command that. He just says, hey, if you are angry and you're angry with a brother or sister, you are in danger of of judgment. He specifically says, whoever is angry. Okay, now, humor me. Can we play Bible nerd for two minutes? Can we? Can we play Bible nerd? Maybe a minute and a half. Minute and a half of Bible nerd. Real quick, real quick. All right, the Bibles that we read, those English words, when Jesus was talking, he didn't speak English, right? We all understand that. And the Bible that showed up in written form was written in Greek. Now, in the Greek, there are two words for anger. For our one English word, anger, there are two Greek words. There's the anger that in Greek that's like really quick. It happens in a moment. Like this is the kind of anger that comes upon you when you've told your child, warned your child five or six times, you probably should move your cup you're going to spill your cup, they ignore you, and now you have juice all over your floor. There's like that kind of anger. There's a word for that. But then there's this other word in Greek for anger, and it's not something short. It's something that festers, something that kind of brews and torments. That's the kind of anger Jesus is talking about. In this passage. It's not that first one. It's that second one. Okay, that's part one of Bible nerd class. Here's part two. The grammar of this phrase literally means whoever is being angry. Whoever is remaining angry. All right, Bible nerd over. So this is what Jesus is literally saying in this passage of Scripture. Whoever is remaining angry and nursing that grudge at someone else, some other brother or some other sister, that person is subject to judgment. And when Jesus says that person who's remaining in that state of anger against someone else will be subject to judgment, he's talking about the same kind of judgment that a murderer receives. Now, that's the first body blow. Here's the second. He goes on to say, if that person who's remaining angry, if they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, which is like a common street insult, whoever insults their brother or sister like that, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of a fiery hell. Now, an idiot and a fool are kind of different things, A fool is someone who's unintelligent and immoral. An idiot is just someone who's acting ridiculously. And there are some people who are unintelligent and some people who are immoral. But when you call someone that, Jesus says, when you call them a fool, here's what we've done. We've moved from an insult to a judgment call on the whole person. We've moved from... Shaming their behavior to shaming their character. 
And listen, Jesus literally says, whoever says to someone else, you fool, they're in danger. Check this. They're in danger of hell. Of hell. He's that serious about this. He actually says when we treat each other like that, we're in danger of hell. Now, hell is not a popular word right now. Can I talk to you for a minute about hell? Let's talk about hell. When you think about hell and when Jesus says hell in this passage of Scripture, don't think specifically about like Dante's Inferno. Maybe don't even think about like, you know, a a preacher on Purdue's campus like as the students are passing by. I'm not sure that's what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus is talking about hell in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about something worse. He's talking about something worse. He's talking about Gehenna. A real place. It was a valley on the south side of Jerusalem. And in that valley of Gehenna, or in hell, innocent children were slaughtered on behalf of the gods. Gehenna is the place where King Josiah slaughtered all of the pagan priests. So if you are one of Jesus' disciples and Jesus is talking to you about you're in danger of hell, you know where hell is. Like you could point to it. You could locate it on a map and you knew it was a real place and you did not want to go there. In fact, by the time Jesus was preaching this sermon, hell had become a garbage dump where the citizens of Jerusalem would go up to the wall at the edge of the city of Jerusalem and they would toss their trash over the wall, and it would tumble down into that valley of Gehenna. And there in that garbage dump, the garbage was burned 24-7. The fire of hell never went out. So Jesus says, if we give ourselves over to remaining in this condition of anger, and we judge each other accordingly, we are in danger of going to that place. And here's the catch. In that passage of scripture, in this one, he's not talking to his disciples about we'll go to hell in the future. He's talking about it now. Today. Here's the truth. I don't know if we always realize this, but this is so true. The life to come for us on the other side of eternity The life to come is a continuation of the trajectory of the life we are already on. The life to come for us is just a continuation of the kind of life trajectory that we're already on. So the life that we will experience forever is a continuation of who we are now and the life we are living into Now, and so the sad truth, and this is heartbreaking, the sad truth is that many people who have heard the good news of Jesus Christ and have been exposed to to the grace of our Lord and Savior, but who don't yet want to live like Jesus now, the sad truth is many of those people would be miserable in the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is where Jesus is king. It's where we all live under his rule and reign. And if we don't want to live that way now, the odds are 
we won't want to live that way forever. And so people who end up in hell are not the kind of people who would enjoy heaven. So it's not so much that Jesus sends people to hell, he does, but it's also that we choose it. That is how nasty sin is. That's how nasty sin is. It tricks us into choosing something we should never want to choose on our own. So what Jesus is getting at here in this passage of Scripture has implications for eternity, yeah, no doubt. But it also has implications for today, for here, for now. If we give in to that, Jesus says, we are in danger of living hell on earth. Now, check this out. We live, we live in a punishment-needs-to-fit-the-crime sort of culture, right? We've got to balance those scales. So if, like me, you get a speeding ticket on Salem Street, I mean, who knew? 25 miles an hour, who knew? If, like me, you get a ticket, speeding ticket on Salem Street, you don't go to jail. You, you get a ticket, the punishment needs to fit the crime. So in our punishment fits the crime sort of culture, what Jesus is saying here, that feels unbalanced. That feels out of whack. Because Jesus is saying that here's your actions. Your actions are you're angry. And the punishment for those actions is hell. And it feels bad. That feels out of whack. I mean, come on, Jesus. Like, I know it's not a good idea to call somebody an idiot. I know it's not a good idea to say you fool to someone, but hell? Like, come on. And here's the thing. What Jesus is saying is that the anger that we fester in or carry around or comes out of our mouths actually is like a really big deal. And God takes it really seriously. And the end result of what comes out of a life that's lived in that kind of a trajectory is hell on earth. It's hell on earth. And here's the really shocking thing that Jesus reveals. And it's hard for us to believe, but it's true. You know, he started off by talking about murder. And he ended up talking about anger. But murder and anger come out of the same place. It's contempt. It's contempt for one another. It's like Jesus is a good doctor in this passage, and he exposes the reality of our lives for what they are. And helps us to see that nasty cycle of anger for what it is. And it starts off just so innocently. We just, we just get angry. And then when like our ego is wounded and we kind of take it as an insult to our person. And then we kind of, like most of us, we play the self-righteous victim. And we've really turned this into an art form in our culture. And, and what ends up happening is like we always think that the other person is 100% wrong and we're 100% right. You know, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. They're all wrong. We're all right. And one of the things that I really try to help couples who are in premarital counseling to understand is that the best way to resolve any sort of conflict in the midst of their relationship, and spouses here, you can have a good chuckle about this, is to realize that when you enter into a disagreement with your spouse, your natural tendency is to think your spouse is 100% wrong and you're 100% right. But if you come to the table with that negotiating position of, hey, you're wrong, I'm right. What's going to end up happening is you're just going to start lobbing insults 
back and forth and reaching back into personal history of all of the things that they've ever done wrong to you and all of the times that they've ever, like, you know, not fulfilled their responsibilities and pretty soon you've escalated. But the reality is, is usually in the midst of any relationship, it's never 100% and 0%. It's like 51% and 49 or 60-40. And, and so we, we like get into that, 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 that situation where we think of ourselves as better than the other person. Or then contempt grows into our hearts and it leaks out into our mouth and we start to say stuff about people we wish we would never say. And what's the result? The end result of all of that is literally hell on earth. It's us treating each other how we would never want to be treated. And so Jesus is saying anger is like a leech that leeches onto our skin. And if we deal with it right away, it's painful. Like removing it is painful and it hurts, but it's manageable. But the longer that it like burrows in and the deeper it goes, the more destructive it becomes. And if we go down that road long enough, far enough, it leads us to a place we would never want to go. But Jesus isn't the kind of doctor who just exposes everything and doesn't tell us how to treat it. He gives us a treatment. So I don't know if you noticed it. It's right there in the passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus says this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there, as you're at the altar with your gift, if you remember... Hey, I, I got this thing with this other person. Then you should leave your gift at the altar and you should go make it right with them and then come back and offer your gift. Now, this is supposed to be comedy, but we miss it. We miss it. So Jesus is talking and the place that he's talking is about 80 miles away from Jerusalem. Where was the altar? The alt, there was only one altar, and the altar was at the temple. And where was the temple? The temple was in Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying to these people who live 80 miles away from the altar, hey, if you make that once a year pilgrimage, and you bring your goat to offer as a sacrifice, so you're walking with your goat for 80 miles, and you get to the altar, and you're about to make your sacrifice, and the priest is there, you've waited in line, it's your turn. You remember, though, ah, I'm kind of crossways with somebody. Well, then here's what you should do. You leave your goat there, I guess just to roam, and you walk 80 miles, or run, whatever, Maybe hitch a ride on a donkey. I don't know. But you go 80 miles back to where your neighbor is. You find your neighbor. And you're like, hey, you know, we got that dispute about that well on our property. And you think the water belongs to you. I think it belongs to me. And it got kind of nasty here. I'm about to make this sacrifice. We got to work this out. Hopefully your neighbor works it out with you. It could be that it takes a while. We got to settle that, Jesus says. And then walk 80 miles back. So 80, 80. 80, and then you got to get back. You got to get back home. Now, it's supposed to be funny because it's extreme, but Jesus is extremely serious about this. He's serious about his followers making it right. And he's saying the most important thing I think we could hear that our relationship with God is tied up 
and wrapped up in our relationship with other people. Our relationship with God is wrapped up in our relationship with other people. And so if you're here today and you feel a little bit distant from God, maybe you've been praying lately and you feel like there's like this concrete barrier in the sky, no direct communication between you and God. And there are all sorts of potential reasons for that. And if you would, you know, if we would meet together for coffee, we'd talk about a lot of them. But one potential reason for that feeling, and it may or may not be true, is that you are not at peace with someone. And because you're not at peace with someone, you're not at peace with God. Jesus really helps us to understand the seriousness in this passage of Scripture of the way that anger infects our soul and our heart and causes broken relationships with other people. And those broken relationships with other people, Jesus says, can end up, if we're not careful, can end up with a broken relationship with him. And I don't know of any other better description of hell on earth than to live in this life with a broken relationship with other people and with our God. And here's the remedy. Here's the remedy. If you have a problem or if you're crossways with someone And the first way we often begin to realize that we're crossways with someone is when we realize that we're mixed up with God. If you have that problem, here's what you do. You try to go and make it right so you can live at peace. And here's the beautiful thing. Once we find ourselves at peace with other people, we often begin to realize the peace that's been made available to us by God. I'm going to invite Ben and the rest of the team to get ready to come forward this morning, and we're going to quiet our hearts this morning so we can be prepared to come to the table. In fact, if we could, could we just take a moment and let's pray and allow the beauty and the power of God's words to kind of take root in our heart? Let's pray together.